1: Well, i thought your mama was gonna be all right <laughs> be
0: happy
1: i know i could have done better
2: but you you got to decide you want to be somebody or not
1: i've been doing real good i just had a down month i got an interview tomorrow mom otherwise i oh you know me i always land on my feet
3: don't look at that
1: come on come on
3: don't you look at you look at me you look at
1: me
3: you let her get away with this every time
1: i told you that i would do better you always say that you're lying i always try you gotta think about these kids what do you think i've been thinking about since i was 18 years old huh never had a life where i wasn't thinking about the kids
2: Happy Thanksgiving, America. I know we have listeners from all around the globe, but this episode may take on a decidedly American flavor. And as for the concept of whether that's fortunate or unfortunate, we plan to explore it right here on the film board from the next reel on True Story FM. We spoil movies. And this month, we are marking our deeply American holiday with a road trip deep into J.D. Vance's Appalachia with Hillbilly Elegy on Netflix. Vance is a former Marine that went to Yale and became a lawyer and he wrote this memoir about the drama of his life connected to Middle America. Ron Howard directed the movie and it stars Glenn Close and Amy Adams. At the next reel, when the movie ends, our conversation begins and you can get in on our conversation by connecting with us on Discord. We host a fun and fabulous server there that serves as a platform for discussions about all our shows and other entertaining factoids and debates from the entertainment industry as a whole. Joining us there will connect you to the raucous film fans that uh, are from around the world that I mentioned in the intro. Check out all the details at truestory.fm. You'll find information about all the shows in the network and gain entry to the next real family of film podcasts. Okay, to dig into this reflective poem, that's the definition of elegy, right? Reflective poem. (laughs) <laughs> about the homes that we've all left behind Let's start by introducing our hosts And where they grew up Where would your dramatic road trip take you,
0: Pete Wright? Well, JJ I, My people My people Whoa. are I was born in Jenks, Oklahoma And I lived up in Stillwater uh, for, for some time There is a very good chance That I'm going to do the whole show like this oh. right now And it's going to be Something else I cannot. Could, could, I could can't you give watch. me a percentage the on
2: that chance? You
0: said very good. <laughs> As of right now, we're leaning hard into 100% all right, country. All right, oh, all, right. Right all right, all right, all right. <laughs>
2: all right. So, Oklahoma, that's great. And that's a big road trip from yes. where you are now. So, that would be a very uh, interesting uh, reflective poem, elegy as it is. Uh, how about you, Ray Delancey? Where are you from?
4: I'm from a little town called Leechburg, Pennsylvania. It's a okay. town no one's ever heard of, it's a small steel town. Not yeah. unlike the town in the movie, I don't know if that's oh, okay. good or bad.
0: But well, that's a perspective. You know. I think that's you're right. living your truth, Ray. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's right. And you say town that no one's ever heard of. Is it still around, or it is, is still it still around? I mean, uh, how many people? About?
4: Do you think? I don't know how many people, but small. I'll tell you one thing: you can drive around the perimeter of the town in ten minutes
0: or less. Uh, hey. That is small. That is together. a. That's a. I should have learned that about my town. How long does it take? We should measure all towns like that now.
3: (laughs) That should be on the front (laughs) sign of like population this and perimeter drive.
2: this. That's right. Well, Well, tonight we're putting it on the map, uh, right? That's what uh, what, what we're doing here. I love it. And how about you, Tommy Handsome? Where uh, where's your I road trip coach? I was
3: born in a holler called Washington D.C., and that's true. And then I moved to. Oh, we lived in Vienna, Virginia, uh, until fourth grade. Then I moved to Boulder, Colorado. True. And I am yeah, not so represented in hillbilly. You know what's funny? When you said what? How did you define elegy?
2: A, a reflective poem, but usually in regards to death or some sort of melancholy thing.
3: Right. Well, this is the first time that I have I've realized that it's elegy and not eulogy. I've been saying eulogy, which still kind of works in a bit, but I've been personally thinking eulogy. It's almost like our oh. In yeah, like a requiem movie. for oh, the okay. lifestyle. So it still kind of works, sure. but I this is the first time that I'm realizing that elegy is a different word than eulogy. <laughs> so I should definitely be a host of something.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they're, they're somewhat yes. synonyms with some sort of semantic artistic yes. differences, right? I, I would think so. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I am JJ. I'm mostly from around the suburbs of Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I don't know if Vance thought of his story as particularly American or unique to to him, in particular, but that's why uh, the the memoir. I think the personal nature of this story is really what formatted my experience in viewing it. I had a tough time feeling objective watching the movie because I felt like I was viewing someone's life, and I didn't know if I could really think about it as a film. So I want to talk about that a little bit today, and maybe because maybe that's a good mm. thing in a movie like this, and maybe it's a bad thing. It depends on how you're how you're looking at it. But I, I, I'm i not really sure. So I'm really excited to hear all of your thoughts about it. So Tommy, it, it, in terms of Hillbilly. And yep. What were your initial thoughts of the film? you want me to say it in Hillbillyology? I just want to keep using different <laughs> phrases. Um,
3: I know that this movie is controversial for certain things. I know that at one point it was running the risk of speaking for all of people from Appalachia. The only thing for me that was controversial about this movie was how much talent went to so much waste, to be honest. I had a, lo- a lot of trouble oh. with this movie. I just think it's a poorly made. I think it's poorly paced. I think it has some outstanding hmm. acting matched with some horrible casting. I don't know who the movie is for. I don't know who I'm supposed to root for. And I'm a really big fan of nonlinear storytelling. And I found the haphazard ways of going back and forth between uh, the few- the present and the past, plus some of the worst a uh, voiceover narration that I've heard in a long time. This film for me is just mm. a plain old misfire that a movie where there's so much yelling, I've never been at times more bored and more exhausted. So
2: this was weird. This was a really weird watch for me. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, uh, those, all those things I think will come into play. And I like that you're really focusing on the film because this, this is something we'll talk about later, too. Some of the criticism, and, and Pete brought this up when we were talking in the green room earlier, that some of the criticism really seems to be pointed at stuff that doesn't have right. to do with the movie. <laughs> Even though people are angry about it, they're talking about something greater that isn't necessarily expressed in this film. Um, that, so I, I, I think all your points are well taken, and I'm, I'm excited to talk about them further. Uh, how about you, Ray? What, how did the movie hit
4: you? I think there are some things about this movie that are important to address. You know, I mean, drug use has been addressed by everybody's movie, but uh, I think it also addresses poor neighborhoods and you know the hurdles you have to get through and stuff like that. But it doesn't quite hit the mark for me. Mm. Mm. Uh, I I don't hate the film, but I definitely don't think it's good. Uh, okay. I think in the movie, Glenn Close says you could be a good Terminator, a bad Terminator, or a neutral, and uh, I think this one is. <laughs> going between a bad and a yeah, neutral
3: c-minus C- Terminator? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: well that makes sense too i thought that was an interesting callback they really focused on that as a philosophy of the film i wonder if that actually played into jd vance's <laughs> lifetime growing up how how important mm. terminator and it's <laughs> and its ethos was in his <laughs> growth as a child okay pete pete what were your thoughts about uh, hillbilly elegy
0: Well, I think you guys have have really covered it. And, you know, what you and I were talking about before we started the show, that this whole idea that I I, of of all the criticism that I've read of this movie, very little of it seems to be about the movie. Right. And so much of it is about, um, you know, what arguably is the memoir of J.D. Vance, which I have not read, but I'm not in a position to critique this man's life and his experience and so i won't do that right i'm not i'm not into that sure i feel like there was an additional opportunity here with this movie to take on um to to take on a little bit uh, of of a or at least weave in a more compelling narrative between um you know his world the rich and the of, of the rich and the yalees and the the world of the law and the and the f- so many forks yes and i i did learn the b and the d trick that was fantastic that was news news to me i'm sorry to say uh and so i i just feel like this this movie is is a lot of missed opportunity and i agree with tom on everything else it is as it it was a sloppy experience for me as a film it was incredibly disappointing in terms of what the film seemed to be afraid to cover afraid to talk mm-hmm. about and and that, I I am saddened to say, feels like a Ron Howard experience to Ooh. me. Oh. Well, that's <laughs> Those a are strong word. That's something to talk about, too. I think,
2: yeah, for me, it's interesting. It sounds like all you guys are somewhat on the negative side of this. I think for me, I felt really neutral. Right. So addressing, Ray, what you were talking about, this sort of neutral thing, I I unfortunately probably was the opposite of the wo- how we usually use the word spoiled. I was spoiled by reading some of the criticism early for this. So I found myself kind of defending it a little bit when I was watching it in that nothing about the film really made me angry. It felt like I was actually kind of caught up in the drama that I found to be uh, you know we'll talk about maybe the concept of tough but real that was here in terms of addiction mm. and in terms of family drama I that I talked about it uh, just before we jumped into this about how it was hard for me to feel objective I think I I as an audience member felt that kind of pressure like you're talking about Pete of like not wanting to criticize JD's life like if this really happened then you know it, did he make this part of his memoir because he was remembering it I and I don't know if that's the case but I found myself kind of doing that and so nothing in the movie Made me angry. I don't think it's a movie I'm going to recommend to anyone. Yeah. But uh, but I didn't find it so terribly made because I thought that some of the some of the interchanges were were loaded with with some sort of energy, and I thought that was enough. It's not a movie made for me, and uh, and when I've talked to people about it since I watched it earlier this week, I have not told them to see it because I don't think there's anything here really except for some interesting performances and some deep things uh, to talk about. So mm-hmm. uh, let's before we go into it further and get into some of those talking points let me try to make a quick synopsis of the film last month we watched the trial of chicago 7 and i felt like that was the easiest synopsis to recreate yet but maybe there's something to this sort of based on a true story thing because this Mm. this one feels really straightforward as well jd vance that this is his memoir he's a law student who seems to be in a battle with himself choosing between embracing his roots uh, and leaving them behind to quote uh, a great ben fold song uh, a, a redneck past that's nipping at his no, heels no i, I say I, love that. I say a battle because he <laughs> well takes great offense to that particular derogatory term uh, and then we as the audience kind of wander wander through the intercuts of vance's troubled past with the ongoing crises in his present about the depth of his connection to the old and how it will influence, support, or even destroy his future. He's back in his hometown to manage his addicted mother after an overdose, and he's forced to reflect on it all to make a pivotal decision about what to do next. Now, I don't think that's reductive in any way. Is, is there something that maybe should be additionally mentioned in what this story is? Because it, again, it's his memoir and yeah. the sort of choice to be told.
0: I I think there's just one piece, and I think for me, it's it's Amy Adams uh, and and the the story the because there is a B story. <laughs> Right. That okay. is her journey through addiction told sure. largely through flashback. But, uh, you know, the, it, it is where those intertwine that make the sort of memoir part. But she's I, I think she deserves like mom's career addiction demands just a little bit of nuance.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. True. And I think that's sort of key to the development here and, and thinking about maybe an addiction as a theme. Right. And the idea of breaking free from addiction and then doing it in a sort of metaphor for the way that J.D. Vance is breaking free from uh, from this past. I mean, that's potentially pretty interesting here um, as
0: we get into the story. Yeah, because make no mistake, this is a get out movie, right? This is a this is a get out every character in here is trying to get out of their circumstance in some way, shape or form. Right. And and that's what makes some of, you know, some of what I read about the. I'm sorry. I'm jumping in. I shouldn't do I it. Should I should well? There. I just I get frustrated because some of what I've read about the the, the that I think makes the uh, the memoir seem interesting to me is that uh, J.D. Vance talks about his experience when he goes to uh, to Yale and starts to use his background as a way to stand out. Right? That is sure. a way for him to to kind of be something different in a universe of same. And this movie is incapable of communicating on that level. Like he walks around with so much shame in his life that he doesn't feel he almost doesn't feel like a a human being anymore. He's not getting I just don't get enough enough of the the sort of joy that I feel like I get in the pictures of him that are careening by the closing credits. Like that's not the same guy that I see portrayed in the script. The whole thing
3: starts with this
0: largely uh, by
3: the rest of the movie, irrelevant part of my people in the holler, look at me in the swimming hole, all of this stuff. Uh We never go back
0: there. We never go back there. This movie
3: doesn't have a center. This movie doesn't have a place. And yet it's constantly saying things. It's throwing things at us like hill people, (laughs) hill, I'm sorry. The line of (laughs) hill people care about their dead or whatever that was. I was like, Do they really call themselves hill people? That sounds like rich people. (laughs) Do
2: they? But well so but okay. That sounds like force to me. But exactly exactly what you're talking about. But 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 one of the points that I'm trying to make here is that the, a lot of the criticism I see is this kind of concept of autobiography versus based on a true story versus fiction. If they are really cherry picking, which I I would kind of like to make the point of the water hole and all this stuff, if they're cherry picking from this memoir, it, 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 that's an issue in and of itself. But the concept of hill people, if that's something that really happened, then isn't it? I mean, do we believe that they really call themselves hill people? Because if we don't, then we're saying that the autobiography is not. What, I guess what feature. I'm
3: saying is, do we believe that it was the best use of film time to go back during the uh, drive to the funeral and have a the blatant thing of what are they doing there? Uh, because he's the only person that doesn't ever know what things are going on. He's weirdly an right. audience, audience surrogate from the place. Where he's there from. So he's, he's learning along with us, even though that's where he was born. And that's the most important place. And that's his people that then she would say, it's Hill people. We believe in blank. Start any of that. It's just, it's,
2: I don't know. It's just, it's not good writing well, that's why it feels like it's cherry picking, right? Because it is, I, I feel like feels the filmmakers... exploitative. maybe that's the point right. that
3: I'm maybe trying to scratch at. And I apologize. I didn't mean to, but like, I bet Foster because I live alone. I bet Foster. I was like, uh, I'll, you know, what's the over, like, when will we see the first broken down car on a lawn? Yeah. Because that's right. shorthand for, and it was, Like the the H in Hillbilly came up on the screen and they were like, look at that car. It sucks. So I was like, you know, I was like, that just feels exploitative to me. It feels like it's all like the little, the credit cards that don't work. I don't know how forks work. It's shorthand
2: for, for poverty. I guess. Yes, it is. Like, and again, I I feel like potentially we're cherry picking the memoir, right? Because the, yeah. the point is, if the author, if J.D. Vance told that story, he, in some respect, feels that that's important in his life, right? And this is where I, I kind of found myself trying to feel objective to it, in that this is his memoir, and he wrote the screenplay too, right? No. Alongside Vanessa oh, alongside. Taylor. alongside. Okay, right. got it. Right. I mean, they're both listed as credited. So maybe Vanessa Taylor did all of it. But the point is, it feels like the events and maybe some of the and some of the through lines and some of the concepts are cherry picked from the memoir. But in they if, if they change the dialogue or if they change the names or those kind of things, doesn't that seem like I mean, that makes it not real. I don't know. Where does that come in?
0: The, the point, point is, names
2: like it, the hill people or the yeah. forks right yeah. let's let's focus on the forks thing to move on to a different concept if yeah. he at yale didn't have that episode where he got so flustered by the forks that he needed to call his girlfriend and get the the bnd thing you know and all those kind of things if that
0: wasn't real then is this an autobiography but do we know that it wasn't real i guess that's what i'm trying to understand
2: i don't know if we know but the okay. point that i'm trying to make is what do you believe as an audience member when you watch it if you believe that it's real then it's him telling his story and there's not really something to be said about choosing it for the film unless you're just cherry picking the memoir if you don't believe that it's real then it's you really can have an objective criticism of what they've chosen to create
3: and i film. feel that i can well, have an objective
2: I, criticism to either option
3: but i want to hear from pete yeah, yeah i do oh, I, agree. I, I agree i do too.
0: i think the challenge that i have is is uh, to to tommy's point like if, when you start out and you're in you are in the hill country of Appalachia, right? I mean, you're there and you're in there's the crick, and you're going to go float in the crick, and you're going to get beaten up by some other people who don't have shirts on and you're going to find a He's turtle with the voice. OK, so yep. all of those things 91% no. are all of those things are, <laughs> are happening. But why? Right. Because yeah. this story is called Hillbilly Elegy and they have to show some. And I'm saying heavily in air quotes, hillbillies. And so then we go back to town, and now the rest of the movie we're in town, and it's a story of addiction and poverty. And I didn't need the hillbillies at all to satisfy my experience of uh, with with these people. Like the pick, this is a pick a lane movie, right. and without a lane, it just jumped all over the place. And I think they used some crazy, uh, just like absolutely uninspired flashback. Uh, tools to to get us through time in ways that make no sense to me and i found that and i think those are that's a symptom of the larger story which is they didn't know what they wanted to do with this movie and so they tried to do everything and that's where the movie falls apart
3: that would that would give a little bit of credence to my complaint in my beginning when i said i don't know who to root for
0: I don't know who exactly. I, the story
3: has no center. I don't know how to root for. I don't know who the most, I mean, the most sympathetic set of character, I guess, is Mama. But she has, I mean, I but I disagree. And Glenn Close is Glenn Close, and an irascible grandma is a very easy char- uh, character to deeply oh. love and appreciate. But yeah, uh, that's an interesting point because we start the movie with, These are my people. Why can't I be with these people? And then the rest of the movie is, Get me away from these people.
0: Let me tell you how important these people are that after the first three minutes, we're never going to see them again.
4: <laughs> right. To answer your question, JJ, I found a lot of the hillbilliness that wasn't portrayed by the character of JD to be believable. You know, I believe, first of all, the one thing that really sticks out to me as far as the hillbilliness of this movie is that scene where the sister is washing dishes and she's washing all the plastic
0: yeah. forks. Yeah, absolutely.
4: You know, I I, I can't tell you how many times in my life I've seen that happen. And the way they live, they're not in hillbilly country anymore, so to speak. They're not in Kentucky. They've moved to Ohio, but they're still he, JD, is still being raised by people who were brought up hillbillies, Mm -hmm. rednecks, whatever term you want to use Uh, his hillbilliness, if that's what you want to call it. I I called into question so many times during this movie. Uh, One scene in particular that really made me do a double take was just prior to he and his mother going to the card store. Mm -hmm. And he's sitting on the porch playing Magic the Gathering. (laughs) Right. (laughs)
0: <laughs> when she, That's what he was doing. When, that was A-talk, so funny when A-talk. she said,
3: you want to get your football cards? In my head, I was like, no. <laughs> he absolutely <laughs> he does not. He wants more magic cards. <laughs> right. Football cards. That was so weird, and then he went into one of his
2: patented JD. We need to move the plot forwards. Have him run into something (laughs) again. So I I I hear all of that, and I think that what what we're talking about really is why are they telling the story, or what story are they trying to tell? Really, because we don't get that. But that, but but if we drop all of the necessary symbols of uh, poverty that may or may not have been in the memoir, it's the story of JD leaving poverty behind, right? And what it took, his memories and what it took, it's his memoir. So again, it's the kind of thing of, yeah, they never showed those people again, because really they're talking about leaving all that. And it was a process of The early part of his life being with those people and then going to this other thing and then dealing with the addiction and dealing with the power. And then finally, you know, this is jumping way ahead, but getting to the point where he makes the decision to say, I'm not bound by this past anymore. And I'm moving forward. I think I I found that to be again, this is maybe moving into this concept of tough, but real. It's a movie that is filled with really intense drama Talk, tom you talked about this at, at the beginning everybody's yelling all the time it's a constant we hate everybody kind of thing which oh, is uh, something that's desensitizing it can get boring for some respect but i found that the things that they cherry picked from his memoir in this felt very real to me um and, and i as i experienced them especially in terms of the addiction they felt very accurate in the way that someone dealing with an addicted a family member a, a parent in particular probably has to go through um, That's the problem
0: though JJ and that that I I found myself like there there were moments in JD's storyline that I agree with you and I feel like that that there was a pivotal moment when he watches mama 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 mama,
3: mama. <laughs> mama. I think her name was Carl go ahead <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh I, I there there was that sequence Blimey. where she gets the meals on wheels yes. and cuts splits it in half and then we get montage of him doing better. making something of his life yeah <laughs> it's like the transformation happens i found that deeply emotionally connective for me i thought okay. that was really a great sequence and i i just got a lot of joy out of it which was because i was found, spent most of my life feeling like i'm or most of my experience with the movie feeling like i'm in a whiplash state The problem that I have more than anything is, I think, Amy Adams has shown in this movie that she is capable of telling an addiction story, of living central to an addiction story and doing something with great power and... I this I regret <laughs> that she ended up in this movie where she's like a B story in yes. uh, in in the hillbilly <clears throat> memoir because it does a disservice to his mother, leaving her as sort of a just a a piece of this larger experience. And that right? has to no. do with the source material, because I, I I
2: totally agree maybe. with you that her story is important. But I bet. And again, I haven't read it either. I think, what you know, uh, one of our hosts, Steve Sarmento, actually has read it um, and he couldn't be with us tonight because of the holiday. But, you know, uh, but that would be really interesting to see what relevance that B story has when J.D. talks about his own life, because what we're left with here is an idea of what was important in the memoir. And from what I'm hearing from you guys, those ideas that they chose were 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 misses. They were whiffs, and and especially what you're talking about here, Pete, in that we don't see enough of this important character, it, it wonderfully played by Amy Adams.
3: And I feel it wasn't wonderfully played by Amy Adams, unfortunately. Oh,
0: really? Oh, talk well, about that. Or or yeah.
3: they she did a great job, and they cut out all of the middle parts. She's a light switch. She's either loving or
2: completely raging at the light. So that, so, yes. so and the weird thing for me about that to go back to what, what, yeah. what I'm going at, is that that's tough but real when talking about yeah. addiction. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what my experience in my own life and my experience of working okay. with other people who have, who have dealt with addiction, mm-hmm. that's what they deal with. And that sort of, the, the schizophrenic nature of what happens to kids when they're around addiction is exactly dealing with that. Do the card store, then get in the car, then have her threaten to kill you and deal with that fear and then all
4: that stuff. That all stuff felt very tough but real. I think that she did a really good job with what she was given. But I think that the writing was a little bit sloppy with her character because I, th- I think it's safe to say that she is supposed to get a little bit of our sympathy. But the way yeah, uh, no, but, I think she's absolutely whole, whole, supposed no, to
3: get our sympathy,
4: but that's the problem. But there's nothing there. There's nothing that we're given that makes me want to give her any
0: that's exactly it and i I felt like that too ray that at the end if this movie had was capable of any of that sort of nuance i would get to the end of this movie and i would be slapped in the face by that emotional realization that i suddenly feel sympathy for her right like that suddenly it hits me that my god she contains multitudes and right now oh. what i've been experiencing with her is that she is in a rage state or that sort of uh, or she is in a vegetative state or she's in a drug state or whatever she is uh you know and we get to that point where he comes into the hotel room and she's trying to shoot up in her ankle and he flushes it down the toilet and there's that fight fight on the thing and she turns around and says stay with me like that. That should have been a moment, yes. and it was, yeah. and, and, and it here's was, it was empty. Not.
2: So my point was, uh, it, it, this is interesting because my perception of the film was exactly the opposite, is that we're not supposed to feel sympathy in that moment. For J.D., this is the moment that clearly he finally gets to break free. This is the elegy. This is the reflective poem of, oh... I've been giving this woman sympathy her whole life, and now I right. finally realize that I can let go. And that's when I talk about this end decision. It, for me, and, and maybe you guys uh, remember it in a film like this before, but we go through all of this emotion with him, and then he chooses to leave her. Right. That felt really new for me. I didn't expect the whole movie. I thought he was going to be trapped by this.
0: <laughs> but let me tell you why that was empty. Okay. And and I felt that. I, I actually did, because this is the collision of their two storylines, right? Yeah, where, yeah. Where his, he has to finally say at some point, you can't define my future anymore. Yes. And we have to have a moment where he leaves. But the problem is, this thing was so sloppy, we never get a minute where she actually has to like experience being alone he walks right. out the door and his sister's already there like i was surprised about she's that she's already there yep. it sucks the oxygen out of that scene mm. and i think yep. it makes it more empty we don't and get again, a chance to experience grief And
3: it's if you're not sympathizing with her if you don't see through her anger it was a little too calculated for me that she would go from, she was always at 10. So much of the movie is always at 10. And she would go, she would go from there wasn't, I didn't feel sympathetic from her because I didn't see the pain past the anger until she was then screaming pretty much literally, I'm in pain also. It's not, it was all just on the surface. And so therefore, the the idea of him finally leaving her behind, I was ready for him to do that from scene one and little sloppy um like flash really quick flashbacks of like i've got you a balloon and here's some of my pie like that's not gonna cut it because <laughs> you didn't give us any of those t- you spent time having mama talk about terminator instead of giving us real time between the two characters that matter it's well interesting. that's
0: because this movie mistakes real time as mama talking about terminator right.
2: That well, that's definitely true, and I agree with that. And I, I think for me to answer you guys's uh, point Screaming. here is that it's it's his story, right? And and this is why I made apologies for it. In that that. It, it, while she could have been a, a more uh, complex character, there could have been more to what she was doing there. This is his memoir. So uh, so I made the apology in that scene for that, for that instance. Pete, I totally agree with you that the fact that it, his sister was right there when he left, that that sapped the moment of its stakes. But that's where then I make that apology for yeah. it's a memoir. If that really happened... How can I say yes. that that's not but real? When, but right? when, so, you
3: bring up, when you keep bringing up the memoir, the only thing I want to say is they didn't have to make the movie. Just because he wrote a memoir doesn't mean, well, they had to make the movie, so they did the best they could. They made the choice to say, this is cinematic, and it is the way that it is done in, in my opinion is not. So I just don't want to always kick it back to, but it's his story. So we have to do it that way. It's just because this never had to happen.
2: You're right. You're right in that. And and that's where, you know, we've talked about that on this show a whole lot of what based on a true story means and what creating a fictional story is and what, uh, and, and this new wrinkle for me in this is like, it was an autobiography and he was, and, and this is something that he wrote and, and it not having to make the movie is one thing, but what, when you make the movie, do you have to make it the way that it really was? In last month's conversation in The sh- the, the Trial of the Chicago 7, we talked about the things that Sorkin changed in the script to make it more effective and do we talk about those things as making the movie less good or better because of that and then how was that applied here in, in, the, in the trial of Chicago 7 we had them reading all of the names of the people that were killed in the final moments of the trial and that's not what happened but cinematically it was very effective so is our criticism of this film the fact that they didn't take a cinematic leap from the true life story or is our criticism of this film that they shouldn't have made this story anyway
3: I don't think that they should have Maybe made the story anyway and be the stylistic choices didn't work. Whereas Sorkin jumping through different people saying, and then someone in the crowd said, and then someone in the crowd said, if you go back, like he, he writes like he, or he directs now, like he writes, which I love. It's very cinematic. This, a lot of the scenes felt like let's put them all and then shake them up. Some of, the, some of the cuts between different times were either, for me, so on the nose of, and I wonder where mama did get that cup. And then we'd go back and she'd be like, <laughs> I got a cup. Granted, that's a very big, stupid overstatement. But like, so on the nose or so just haphazard at times, it also made it tough to really feel uh, JD's development. J.D.'s sort of like yeah. follow his story as something yeah. to be sympathetic of. Same with Amy Adams. She's a nurse. Now she's no. a drug addict. Why? Yeah. Because she was, she was yeah. this. But- no, but then she was drug addict because of the dad. But then here, let's talk about the dad over here. It's very that that kind of nonlinear storytelling. I love this felt like a real misfire for me.
2: Yeah, I think that I guess the point that I keep trying to bring up when I'm talking about the memoir is that are we angry with the movie? Is the is some of the criticism of the movie because they they didn't take any cinematic leaps and they were too. Too close to the real story. And we don't know, right? Because none of us have read the memoir and none of us have lived J.D. Vance's life. But potentially that could be something that's happening here. And but that's I, the point
0: that I want to Yeah. I, and I get that. I, I absol- I, I'm telling you, man, I get that point. I really do. And I think my problem is still this is a movie that is terrified of making choices. Yeah, and and that's that, that mm-hmm. I feel like I can say, right? I can yeah. say that without having read the memoir. It's not a well constructed film. I don't know what mm-hmm. it would look like to take a cinematic leap. I think you've said that a couple of times, and I don't, I don't know what that looks like. Um, but what I can tell you is that I think I could have been really satisfied looking at J.D.'s life linearly, growing up, being born, uh, a child in a small shotgun shack on the edge of a riverbank yeah, in the Crick and then show me getting through school show me that transformation you could even show me going to to serve our country right let's go they they tease the military experience tell me his story all the way to graduating law school and you could even make all the other stuff even less of a of a big deal than they tried to make it show me his story or show me amy adams oh, story a and make this an addiction point. story right who, Nick, that's pick, a great cinematically right? that's a great cinema who are we, right? Right. we rooting yeah. for there
2: is no one to root for in this movie there is yeah. no one so i i definitely agree with you with that one of the things that you said earlier pete that i want to kind of this is a time that w- would make sense to talk about it is you said that you're kind of getting the sense that this is a, a, a what ron howard does right and when you say this is a movie that that doesn't make any choices. Is that the connective tissue between those two statements? Or is there something else when you talk about Ron Howard's direction and what you're seeing in this film?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Is that, I mean, is that fair? I just feel like I look at this movie and I, I look at, you know, the Dan Brown m- movies and I look at, um, I don't not say back in the heart of the sea. We just did <laughs> in the heart of the sea. My God, like this is not Frost Nixon right and i don't know if it was like when you talk about true stories telling true stories um frost nixon for me was a capable delightful experience i really enjoyed my time with that movie where is that ron howard Mm. right where is that guy i I, you know I, i we've had a bunch of people in the community talking about rush recently rush like where is that ron howard because this utility player this guy who is brought in by the studio to fix problems is not the ron howard that i show up to see this is a guy who makes like cashew vanilla lattes and i'm i'm tired of Mm. it like i'm tired of it and where is chris (laughs) columbus anymore like where is the delight of the first harry potter you know it's the same thing it's just like come on i'm just yeah so, yes, I guess in short, yes.
2: Yeah, I, I, well, that, I guess that, that was really in looking at Ron Howard has so many films, right? Yeah. And we can talk about, we can actually talk about the different colors of 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 Ron Howard in film. Do you you and know what, let me just add to
0: this, because I think this is important. Where is, did you guys watch Eight Days a Week, the, the touring years, the Beatles documentary he did? No, that sounds amazing. You want to you see a guy who has fallen in love with his material in the best possible way? Yeah. Watch that piece. Okay. Watch that. Where's that? Ron Howard, right? <laughs> well, well, Where, and, you did know, Backdraft, Where did he go?
2: It, Tommy was alluding to Backdraft. Backdraft is one of like my first favorite movies of all time, yeah. and I yeah. and I love the amazing things technically and and, and story-wise and everything in that film. All I of told it. you yeah. stay right, but f inside me, Brian. I love that. Yeah. It's got <laughs> that, some like really well, great Apollo stuff. Apollo thirteen. Yeah. Yes. I mean there there are classics there. So what? if you're ron howard let's 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 put ourselves in his position here as he does this, and you see this source or you get called in by the studio as a utility player, whatever it is, what is Ron Howard's purpose in making this movie? I don't know, but I just realized Clint isn't in this one. Clint Howard. this is the one that well, see, but yeah, he's not in yeah. all of his movies.
0: He's in a lot of them, but he's not in all of them. do you know, you know, I felt like um I, I watching the paper.
2: Oh, yeah. you guys remember that yeah. i have
0: an extraordinarily high opinion of the paper i love that movie i it's been uh it's been a number of years since i've seen it and I, I have not seen it since we started doing the next reel and so i may regret this statement but i feel like ron howard then was like on the path of being one of those seminal directors mm. right where everything he could touch would be a slam dunk, like yeah. comedic, emotional, heartfelt, was Rob uh, energetic. It. He was Rob Reinering it. Okay. He was, he was, uh, he was sorkening it. I mean, I, there's a lot of, of, uh, sort of that fast paced kind of newspaper walk and talk stuff going on there. And, and I feel like, uh, that's, uh, that is a, that is a sad statement on where things have gone. And the fact that maybe Arrested Development has broken him, because it, whenever the the voiceover came on, I heard Ron Howard, right. and it made the whole movie funny.
3: <laughs> yeah, when she's like, I will quit drugs, and then he goes, she doesn't.
0: Like that, <laughs> <She> that horrible <laughs> Arrested Development negation. She didn't. She didn't. I left her in the hotel room alone. <laughs> yeah
2: yeah it, it, it's tough to think of you know it, we've touched on this in a lot of different ways and i don't know that we've actually asked the question of why is this story being told or why is this such a such such a such a big deal out there for all of these these actors to be attached to it for for ron howard to be a, attached to it and that's why kind of the the reason that i would put there the script was written by vanessa taylor which i i wasn't particularly familiar with but when i went down in her imdb page i saw that she wrote the shape of water with guillermo del toro too oh That's interesting, right? That's a very,
3: that, I'm not a fan of that movie, but that movie has very deep characters. That movie has very Mm -hmm. deep character work, where this movie, I don't necessarily think,
2: must have been Guillermo. Well, he, he the story is from him. She then then wrote the script play with him. So I think I, I mean, it's it's interesting to see what she as a writer is is doing and, and in in sort of creating the screenplay about it. If we talk about the nonlinear storytelling here that that it is isn't done to a particular effect other than to connect stories from the past to stories to the future i mean it doesn't really look like there's uh there it's there other than a particular vehicle for telling
3: story. i wonder if there's the reason that there's all of this time linear and time jumping and stuff is goes back to your other question why is this story worth being told and who is this story mm-hmm. for i would like to posit this story is for literally one person jd vance yeah. He's a he's a he's a terrible hero in the movie. But if you're J.D. Vance, you're the hero of the movie because you both agree that the only thing that matters is family. And then the only thing that matters is leaving family. There's it's so disjointed and weird that I just don't. Yeah, I think that that's that's one of the big problems. I don't really believe that this movie it's a. The movie is a story about a a man with almost no personality.
2: Doing good, the end. And, and well, and 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 does he really do good? That you could argue not that. morally I mean, good. I mean, getting out. All, He's he. All he, he does is escape. He becomes he becomes, he it's, becomes it's, a lawyer, and then moves
3: back to Ohio. I don't really understand this. This whole thing is only seems only important if we're talking about. The situation going on in Appalachia or some of America. And yet this movie, to Pete's point, refuses to take anything uh, about the systemic problems that are really happening
2: with poverty. I think that's why the, that's why we see the criticisms that we do. And right? I think that's and, why and these
3: people joined up. I think that's why we have the A-list is because there's the there's the uh, thinking that we will tackle this and it doesn't. This whole movie no, says bootstraps and bootstraps right. is the most reductive way to talk about Appalachia or South or poor parts of America. Yep. It is the dumbest version of the American dream
4: that we keep selling ourselves. So what is the point of the movie? It makes a good point. I think that I think that's key. As I was watching this movie by the end, I, I came to the realization that this is the poor man's big fish. Oh, oh do tell. Wow. And I say that, I say that because, first of all, they have very similar story structures. They're both about somebody's child, and they're put in a situation where, as an adult, they're not a big fan of their parents, but they have to go back to where they came from. And during that journey, there are flashbacks. Unlike Big Fish, I found that the actual present-day storyline in this movie, I think it's completely pointless. It has no resolution. It doesn't show any of the points that probably should have been shown in their story. Uh, Like one of the biggest kicks in the groin to me was the fact that we got that little subtitle at the end of the movie, that caption that said, mom's been sober for six years. But it never showed her on any path to recovery or that, you know, she was in any way ready to say, okay, look, I've been doing wrong with this. I've been poisoning my body, poisoning my relationships with my family. I need to get better. You know, there's no growth whatsoever. There's nothing between these characters that shows that anything is changing. Because it was just about J.D. um, parts.
2: Because yeah, it's just right. his story.
4: Yep. But you know what? Okay. Let, I'm glad yeah. you said that. Let's take just JD for a minute. You know something that really ticked me off about him? He in sucks. Movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It. Okay. Why does he go back to live with Memo? Because he's supposedly getting in with the wrong crowd. He's not doing well in school. Is living with mom isn't a good environment for him. Okay. Let's go back to a scene in the movie where they move in with mom's boss, who's she's now married to on a whim. The, the, the anesthesiologist,
0: oh, or 10, what, what do you yeah, want to get 10, high yeah. scene?
4: And yeah. yes, the, do you want to get high scene? The the kid takes jd down into the basement where his dad's weed stash is and says hey do you want to get get high what's jd's reaction jd's reaction is all uh, he he gets like really fired up he's like dude my mom's a drug addict and you want me to do this it's a gateway drug how dare you why do you want to do this the next time we see jd He's all pally pally with all these kids and he he goes with them to deface this business that the one kid gets fired from. And then he's hitting a bong. Where the hell did this come from? Uh, I will just say, I will just say again, my excuse for that
2: is tough, but real that you get you get fingers of peer pressure from all different sides and then eventually you fall in with the wrong person without the right kind of parenting. I, I But but also they didn't show the good I they agreed. didn't show the the important parts.
4: And you can't even blame mom for this. Like you can't say well, you know, you know, mom could have gotten him interested in drugs or something. Like no. He was always pissed at his mom. Yeah. Sorry, I keep saying pissed a lot. <laughs> now you just said pissed a lot. Great. <laughs> <laughs> But he he was really angry with her, you know, for her drug abuse. You know, he wouldn't pee in the cup for her, you know. So obviously he didn't Mm. think that, you know, it was worth looking at drugs were worth looking at from her. And he was mad at this other kid for talking about drugs. Where did this come from? Again,
2: for me, my experience with addiction, that, that felt very tough but real. That it happens like that, that people try to make a stand until they have so much environment that eventually they believe that that's their only out. Um, And I didn't need to see the change. I didn't need to see the change.
0: Like that's that idea. I had. I, I, that was it. I needed the change. Like either show me that the that the son has actually you know eventually broken him down and he's palling around with him now, or show me where he broke down and is now okay drinking and doing drugs and stealing his grandma's car. Um, but just that sort of hard cut between the two, it was disjointed, completely. You're taking the emotional and,
3: and, meat out of it, which yeah. JJ, I'm not disagreeing with you that if you have not experience with addiction or addiction with people's in families, that it happens that way. That doesn't help me go along for the ride.
2: I get that it. doesn't help me yeah, yeah. Yeah. to go
3: from A to C. I need the B to be like, do I care about that? Cause I didn't, yeah, I didn't find JD right. very sympathetic
2: either. Yeah. And, and and we could do a scene breakdown on, on, on why I felt like that scene with the people in the room, in the living room, was that mm-hmm. scene in that he wasn't really participating. He watched the person do the whip it and then all this stuff and wanting to be cool after he had already been seated with this idea that he wasn't cool from not doing that. I mean, they're telling that in the yeah. way of the story. But again, it's a leap and I and I don't need to defend the story that way. I think no. your guys' point is is well taken. I like
3: that. what you're saying is that there was some progression but from I'm not quite fitting in to let's steal Mima's car felt like shorthand to me is all that's fair. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I Um, I do want to say to Ray's point, because he astutely brought up big fish. Ray, And that is a movie that I love and give is, is the exemplar for reaching the end of the movie and realizing, Oh my God, I now have sympathy for this character that I thought was a wash. And that's that I realize now is the experience that I wanted. And Ron Howard should have been able to give this to me with this cast, with these ingredients. He should have been able to give me that feeling.
2: I I, I don't deny that. I I am not a big fan of big fish as everyone else is, but I I think that a lot of this has to do with um, your investment in the source material too. Right. So um, I've, I've ended up, I mean, you've heard from me a lot, this sort of concept of with my experience and stuff like this, I think if you, do have those types of dramatic experiences that are similar to what are in the story, you may make those kind of leaps for them. You mentioned this sort of cast and this sort of a list that's here. Um, it, for all of our negativity about it, I thought Glenn Close was pretty special in this movie. I think the movie came alive when she was
3: there.
4: Yeah. JJ, I, I just want to go on record as saying that I was 100% like you. I went into this movie thinking, I want to like this movie. I want to be this movie's champion. It's an apologist. You know, I want to, but uh, if I was to pick any one good th- reason to see this, it would be Glenn Close because I thought that her performance was very well done. Well, and, I and what that- about
2: the makeup when you all of a sudden and see the real person <laughs> in life, like they made a carbon copy, yeah. didn't they? It's yes. exactly. Yeah,
0: it. That was crazy. And, and wow. the lack of yeah. any,
2: granted it's maybe,
3: I don't think that Glenn Close is necessarily looking for Oscar bait, uh, but the lack of vanity in most of the yeah. characters is always something to be, mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily like, oh, how brave, not to be appreciated for the braveness, but to be appreciated for the, what's the word? Like, just the lack of vanity, Limit. I guess.
2: I would say commitment, commitment to, yeah. to it. I mean, I definitely saw that from everyone here too. Is that they, that you didn't. I I didn't see Glenn Close in this role. It was (laughs) Mammoth to me, for sure. Mm. Um, And I love Amy Adams. um, And I I think she's a 10 all the time, whether or not she's acting at a 10 or not. Uh, But uh, but so I was making apologies for her up and down in this movie, too. I thought uh, what she delivered for, like you said, Ray, for what she was given, I thought was really special in this movie. I liked her.
3: I would like to hope that there were shades in between the light switches, in between Loving and Off the Rails, and unfortunately, JD Wilcox and the editor and um, uh, Mr. Director maybe just made the wrong choice of picking tens every yeah. time.
2: That's probably fair. Yeah. yeah,
0: I I I do want to shout out. I, I feel like Gabriel Basso. He was. Uh. uh I I like Gabriel Basso. I who, like finding him. Uh, he's he was the JD. he was JD Which, the adult JD old. the big big yep. big JD yeah. Oh, from the days of and summer. I, I or the, like the him. nights of summer. Yeah, Kings of I summer. I love that Kings movie. of summer. Right. And, and so I feel like I went into this movie already ready to like him. I, I like him. He's one of those guys. I feel like I could hang out with that guy. I could hang out with that guy. Uh, and so I, I like him in this movie. I also really like Frida Pinto. And yes. I, I am sad that like we, Uh, I I don't know I get I I just feel like there's opportunity to do something uh, with her character uh, that that maybe is a little bit more she kept wanting to do and be more and they made such a deal out of him pushing her away and eventually I was just tired of it I did adore just in terms of the rom-com build up at the end I thought the reveal at the oh I'm gonna be an hour late I thought that was so cute I thought it was really cute. That was <laughs> they a win are so adorable together. I thought
4: they were a great couple.
2: They were a
0: great couple. Yeah, yeah those I little think, moments are redeeming to the otherwise a, a, if it were a, a sloppy.
2: A fiction eventually. and not an autobiography. Pete, your point of her wanting to get involved. Why don't you bring mom? Why don't you just put her in the car and bring her there? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, like hey, right. also J D
3: everything that J D accomplished could have been done with phone calls. <laughs> literally if you that break totally it down true. everything could have been done from phone calls he didn't have to miss anything he didn't do anything other than just yell at people
0: <laughs> indy <Right>. didn't <laughs> have to go into the cave at all tom but he still Good did point. because he's brave
2: uh, you know, speaking yeah, of another not... sort of a-list thing on here um I, well I, I i don't know her name but uh but in looking at what she's done uh, on cinematography here you have maris, maris alberti um also a cinematographer from creed
3: the yeah, wrestler uh, and yeah,
2: right happiness oh wow Those
0: are, uh, is it yeah. is really it a great female
3: movies. dp i don't know that name yeah french oh that's very rare female dps are to be treasured and we learned that from Three nights kings. that's awesome
2: and, and i I really yeah. liked the camera work on this movie. I thought it was really great. I, I am a big fan of the sort of uh, emotional trick of giving me a very small sneak in when we have a, a, a two-shot conversation as we're getting into dra- drama and, the, Mickey and the quiet times. and And she did it in a really wonderful way. And I loved it. I loved everything that we saw from the camera in this movie.
0: Maybe it speaks to direction and where they put us. I think there's a lot of room to explore with the camera more than they did here. And I thought I was going to get that with our introduction to the country. And it didn't make good on, on that personality. Not, sure. not the way I, I hoped. And uh, now you said, the you, said you
2: knew her. It, it sounded like you knew how to pronounce her name. I didn't know how to pronounce her name. Did you say M- oh, Mary's? No, or I, I, I thought it was Marie Alberti. Marie's. That sounds right. Yeah. That sounds French. M-A-R-Y-S-E Alberti. And uh, yeah, that's, I think it's fair. I just wanted to say her name right. I, I mentioned the makeup before with Glenn Close, but it sounded like nobody had any sort of feelings about the makeup and what they did. No, here. there was, it was, oh, I just get yeah. lost okay, in the character stuff. It was hundred percent transformation.
3: And for my non excitement or my reluctant excitement about some of the Amy Adams, when they showed the, the character, in real life that she's playing, I was like, oh my God, like they really did cast people (laughs) that looked
4: like the people in ways great yeah, which is phenomenal I have a question for Uh Pete real quick Pete, did you recognize the actor who played Papa
0: (laughs) Was it you, Ray? That was Bo Hopkins. He was in Tentacles. He was in Tentacles. That's right. He was. He's been in like a thousand things. <laughs> he's been so much stuff. But the fact that we just talked about uh, about that movie, yes, that that's a good call. That is a good pick. Yeah, no, you didn't recognize him though. You're saying uh, not until after. Not until we yeah. were looking at the credits after the movie was over. I didn't. I couldn't pick it. Did you know, Ray? Did you see him and know immediately?
4: No, I'm a loser too. <laughs>
0: Yikes, that's how we're uh,
3: defining
2: losers. I am in
3: trouble.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. Hans Zimmer did the music on this. Is he a Ron Howard guy? I think he's a Ron Howard guy, right? Like, they isn't, work together.
0: Isn't Hans Zimmer now an everybody guy? Like, he has this cadre <laughs> of people that he's he is tentacles. He's just like, here, go do this. Yes, he broke up. The, you write this, and I'll get the credit right, for it. he's, the Tom he's Tom one of those the guys. Guys.
4: He's just farming out yes. music.
0: <laughs> right, sure, <laughs> right.
4: After he broke up with Christopher Nolan, anyway. Yeah, I thought the right, music
0: sure.
3: was effective for like the first halfway through. And then I, I did point out to myself, I was like, wait, where like, where's the country music? Where's the Appalachian? Right. Se- where's the personality of it? And instead, and then that once I came to that thing, it was like, Oh, I'm really annoyed. Cause the music is telling me what to feel instead of putting me was- in a
2: place. I, I felt like it was, and I love Hans Zimmer. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, he was probably my first, because of the whole backdraft thing, he was one of my first favorite right. uh, composers as well. But I felt like it was too big in the quiet yeah. parts of this movie, and I noticed it. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, there you are, Hans. Welcome back. Right. You
3: when you're always uh, like, hey, Hans, that's always a problem.
2: Right. And and the other guy uh, on it is David Fleming. So you guys mentioned that he's kind of along for the ride. Hans is probably, you know giving some tutelage to David and they're working together on making the, 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 the composition of this one. Uh, more like tutelage. Uh, no, see, you nailed it. Is there anything else that you guys want to say about this movie in terms of, uh, uh in terms of the film before, or should we move on to, uh, sort of how it ranks against other things? I just want to point out that Let's I said, tutelage. <laughs> <laughs> I heard it. I know you did it. <laughs> um,
3: no, I think this movie, I think there is a good version Of, you know, no, I, I'm not sure that there's a good version of this movie (laughs) in that I don't know if this story necessarily needs to be told cinematically. I think that there are better versions off the top of my head. Winter bone, the idea of these, like looking into these kind of communities. It doesn't have to be one movie doesn't have to speak for all one book doesn't have to speak for all. But to make a movie like this with all of these huge actors and a huge director, which is really just becomes a reductive bootstrap story. Unfortunately for me, it ends up feeling a little exploitative of what's the point. And when you go past exploitative, you start to trend in poverty porn. You start to look in when I said in the first 32 seconds, we saw the first broken down car and then 45 seconds after that, the word holler and swimming hole. It feels a little bit like Hollywood is pointing at the other and without a stronger story. If he ended up being more than just a law person, I mean, okay, great. But I don't know if the story necessarily shouldn't be always about getting out the story could be about like, uh, you know, like appreciating that culture.
2: Again, and I think I think what we've talked about in terms of the opportunities missed in telling the yeah. story is that they really focused on just telling his right. story, which is probably following the memoir. And I think you're the the biggest point well taken in that is: does his story need to be told? These other stories are begging to be
4: told. Yeah, and
2: this movie didn't pay attention to nice. those stories. <laughs> you
4: know, Can one I, thing I kept thinking. Isn't he a little young to have written a memoir? (laughs) Oh, is that a little little early for the curtain call? (laughs) Yeah, right. I'm not saying that he hasn't gone through a lot up to this point in his life or anything, and I'm not trying to minimize... You know, what he's gone through. It just, I don't know. It just seems,
0: you know, I, I, I got a passage. We're going to talk about how it ranked, but there was one review that I feel like uh, rang particularly well for me. Can I read a couple of sentences? Please, Anybody do. mind if I bring somebody else in? This is from David Ehrlich. Uh, Vance's timely hillbilly elegy, uh, a memoir of a family and culture in crisis became a bipartisan bestseller for obvious reasons. It lent conservatives the moral cover that some of them needed to support Trump and offered, I would have voted for Obama a third time liberals, the performative satisfaction of making a good faith effort to understand how anyone could. Here was a book that tapped into failings on both sides of the aisle to paint a mutually agreeable picture of the forgotten people in the middle of the country. A radiant self-portrait, uh, or I'm sorry, a Randian self-portrait of a poor Ohio kid with Appalachian blood who pulled himself up by the bootstraps, defied the gravity of the learned helplessness that he saw in the people around him and fulfilled the American dream of going to Yale Law before launching a Tolkien-inspired venture capital fund with Hall of Fame bloodsucker Peter Thiel. God bless these United States. He worked with Peter Thiel? Vance's autobiography read like a tortured account of survivor's guilt from someone desperate to justify his success and make peace His their one-way transition from yokel to yuppie. Vance wrote about the rot in his family tree, as well as the oxygen it gave him, with vivid clarity. But it was the culture in crisis part of the book's subtitle that sparked a forest fire in the hot take industrial complex uh it this was not that movie Mm. no i it this this i mean i i have lots of opinions to share about peter thiel and about kind of what i mean lots but uh that that experience that experience of a culture in crisis is not this movie and i think this review, opening with that kind of parallel to the book on which it is based, demonstrates the central failing of not being willing willing to to t- make choices to tackle and any be brave of the meat and tackle this stuff. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. right. Which so, welcome to Green Book Two, everybody. Hillbilly Elegy. <laughs> it really does. It does feel like Green Book, but I actually think this is a
2: better movie than Green Book.
0: Okay. I didn't Uh, have to rank them against
2: each other, but I think this is better (laughs) than Green
0: Book. (laughs) Okay.
2: Yeah. Green Book uh, is way low on my list. And let's, okay. So yeah. we don't, we, we have something planned for December here where we're going to talk about all the 2020 movies in Flickchart because we haven't had an ability where everyone on the film board has seen them all. But we do have all the movies that we ranked before we got to this sort of mess of a year uh, that we've talked about on the show over at flickchart.com slash TNR film board. Flickchart is this really cool site where you can create a tournament style stack ranking of your favorite movie preferences. So check it out and find out how your film favorites fair against ours what we're doing in the interim here is talking about how it worked for me as we got through until we get to this grand uh, it's not even a re-ranking it's a first ranking of all these things that we do mm-hmm. on flick chart we're going to announce this here in december coming up but my flick chart path and i think this is going to be great for us to talk about because i had such a different view of this film than you guys um it, it my flick chart path is interesting it lost to mr nobody you, you guys maybe didn't Don't see know. that show it's a it's a trailer rewind movie with jared Leto and this whole like futuristic I, thing yeah it yeah beat- yeah Murder on the Orient Express. Uh, oh, yeah, sure.
0: Oh, wow.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's a little bit of dissension yeah, no, there. That's I interesting. Lost to Kingsman, the Golden Circle. That's the number yep. two. Lost to Odd Thomas, which is another trailer rewind Don't movie. You? Lost to The Congress, which is a really interesting movie that everyone should check out from trailer rewind yep. um, that's, that's happening about intellectual <laughs> property coming up. And then I had it beating Detective po- 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 Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Okay. What? See, I, I knew I'd get that from you, Pete. I had it beating. Where'd you go, Bernadette? Yes. Well, where'd you go, Bernadette is Where'd you go, trash movie. I hate that movie? Right. And then I actually I had it beating Alien Covenant as well. If everything beats Alien Covenant. Oh. I love it. So there you go. So um, so for me, it landed at this this uh, live stream beats Alien
0: Covenant. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: uh, it had It's at one seventy six out of two hundred forty three movies oh. for me, and that's Film Board movies. That's the wow. next real movies, and that's um trailer rewind movie so those are all movies that have come in our orbit in one thank way or another you again there. for doing the work of like catching up and rating all these so you can be the arbiter that's a ton of work and movies and i'm very impressed well i mean andy's gonna lead it and we're gonna get in anyone yeah. who wants to watch all the movies can participate it's gonna be really great anyone anywhere we're gonna, gonna release it so as a member great.
0: bonus episode so Yay. Uh, if you're not a supporter become one and you can ride along yeah. with us. Great stuff the
2: uh, yeah. Now the algorithm for 176 out of 243 told me that I should make it a one and a half stars, but, you know, kind of, you know, it sounded, the conversation here, sounded like me being really positive about this movie, but it, the way it. that I introed it really was that it's very, it's very benign for me. There's nothing that I didn't like and I made a lot of apologies through and through. So for me, it was two and a half stars right in the middle, but I did like it. So I put it oh. there. Uh, Pete, Pete, what was your ranking of it?
0: Eleven ninety six out of fourteen seventy six, uh, which puts it at uh, one star. Uh, it should be a one star, and I, you know, one one and a half stars. Like I'm, it, once we're down there, can you even see in the mock <laughs> Down, it's just uh, sucking the mud, is sucking your feet down in there, and you got the crawdads nibbling at your toes.
2: There's a turtle with an injury. I there. feel
0: like I, it has no heart. There's no yeah. heart for me over at Letterbox. dot com. I'm I'm gonna let it go, but. I think you accomplished seventeen
2: percent of the podcast yep. in that voice, but I, but I'm happy for every <laughs> tiny point of percentages we got in that. Tommy, what was your? Oh, and when I assume Pete, that was a not like, by the way.
0: Yeah, there's no like. Yeah.
2: Tommy, what was your? Rate?
3: I said one point five. It seems v- harsh, but I never want to watch this movie again. If anything, I'd want to watch a right. supercut of the Glenn Close scenes. But I found this movie just abrasive and exhausting, and without. A reason. So I say 1.5 and a strong like. Just kidding. 1.5, no like. And
4: Ray, what was yours? Uh, So on my personal flick chart, it wound up at 782 out of 1397, Hmm. which is a 44%. Um, Initially, I was tempted to give it two and a half stars, but the more I thought about it, the more frustrated I got. So... I give it two stars, no like. Yeah. And with the math on
2: that, we're in a really weird spot of 1.875. That, you know, I don't think we (laughs) round up to two on that. I think we're probably rounding down somewhere in that range. But, um, but yeah, I think you know, based on our conversation, that kind of sounds where we all sit with that movie, yeah. which is a. I think the, the math the, again, I don't think the rounding is right, but I do think uh, all of our rankings make sense or our ratings there. So, so where are we going uh, from here? Next month, we're going to do a number of things. We talked about that sort of film board thing that we're going to give as a member bonus episode. You can look for that and uh, we will be talking about that on Discord as well. Next week, coming up right away next week, we're jumping in right away with another Netflix release from David Fincher this Ooh. time. It's Mank, Mank about the life of Herman Jay Mankowitz in 1930s Hollywood as he struggles to finish the screenplay for Citizen Kane which I think it, I mean it's kind of too interesting to pass up right yeah. now right I mean I'm kind of hoping it's like movie, David right? Fincher writing Barton Fink
3: like cuz I'm like cool. horribly ter- like yeah. uh, obsessed with the idea of like having trouble finishing a script and then also like yeah. making yeah. A Hollywood bigger than life love it and it's black and white too right It apparently it's black and white and extremely yeah. stylized
2: this might be the first time we've done a black and white film on the film board. Pete, can you think of a time when we may have n- on the done? film
0: board? I yeah. don't think. I don't think so. I'd have to All look right. at the list. It's actually really cool too because they shot it on eight K uh, black and white eight uh, K red sensors. The the cool. and so there's just it's got. Uh, I mean, the frames are. A luscious luscious. <laughs> luscious that's yeah. gonna be awesome and there also
2: is a little christmas gift for some people <laughs> out there in the world in that wonder woman 1984 has been announced to be released to hbo max and in some theaters too uh right around christmas actually christmas day is that yes. right pete is that yeah yeah the 25th in yeah And we've talked about doing an additional episode, uh, this, this month in December, because that is kind of, you know, other than tenant, probably the next big blockbuster movie that's a pandemic release. So we're planning on for the folks that can view that one, uh, going to talk about that on the film board as well. So lots of new fun stuff planned for the film board and it all gets started next month on the main show on the next reel. You guys are in the underworld series right now, right?
0: That kicks off. So this week uh, we're kicking off the underworld uh, s- series. Awesome! It's mostly because wow. Kate Beckinsale trends high on Instagram.
4: <laughs> so yeah.
0: I, well, I don't know. I wonder why we, we posted a picture of another movie we were doing, and it blew up. And we thought, hey, you know what? We should do vampires and werewolves. That'd be awesome. So we're doing the whole series. <laughs> uh, that'll ride out through the end of the year. And so we're uh, we're very excited about it. Also, don't want to uh, forget uh, uh, the Steve and has uh, done the round robin this season season for Trailer Rewind, Les Miserables, the, the 2019 uh, film, uh, lovingly handcrafted by our very own Ray DeLancey uh, as producer uh, it, on the Trailer Rewind this season. The, a great show. That drops this week, too. So uh, cool. as you're listening to this, make sure you uh, update those feeds. That's oh, great. can I have one more thing? Can I say one Please more thing? Please do. Yes. Uh, y- you know, we have a lot of shows that we do on The Next Reel, and up until very, very recently, um, you have had to subscribe to the next reel. And then you get all of them and they come one a day and it's just a lot. And I get There's it. there has gotta be an and easier so- way. Tom, I'm so glad you asked. Now, if you are so interested, you can actually go and subscribe to every one of the Next Real Shows in separate feeds. Search your podcast app of choice and uh, you can subscribe to the Next Real Main Show with me and Andy. You can subscribe to the film board separately. You can subscribe to Taylor Rewind. You can subscribe to... You you can't subscribe to Wait, Wait, Hear Me Out because Tom has only done two. Um,
3: Everyone says he shouldn't have made Godfather 3. That's what the Francis
0: and the sat mat, especially this is the big surprise. So the Saturday matinee, I'm not even listening to you right now. The Saturday matinee, I separated that out and it blew up. It turns out everybody wanted to subscribe to that show separately. So, uh, you know, if you're interested, take a look
2: well that's Thank awesome and, and I mentioned yeah. it a little in the, the show open a great way to kind of sort all this out and have conversations about this is to keep with us up with us on discord you can come find us at uh, FM, and we'll get you onto the server to discuss all the remarkable things throughout the entertainment universe come join the fun and interact with us on the internet <laughs> as well as in your podcast feed it's the future <laughs> that's where we'll keep the conversation going but for this one say goodnight Pete Wright Good night, JJ <laughs> thanks for hanging out Ray Delancey
4: there's nothing more important than family and you guys are my family
2: (laughs) and see you later Tommy handsome good night down under did i get the wrong at the (laughs) next reel is that i got the wrong one damn at the next reel when the movie ends our conversation begins till next
3: I held my breath the entire podcast.
0: supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man,
1: and sweeping sagas like Denny Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune.
0: And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grant's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic.
1: It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreal.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories.
0: And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu.
1: That's right. TheNextReel.com slash Originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and The Next Reel's family of shows.
0: So what are you waiting for? Head to TheNextReel.com slash Originals and get your next read today.